Before we get into this week's teaching, I just want to pause for a moment to tell you about our Spirit and Word Leaders Summit coming up in March 2017. Dr. Sharon Stone is going to be with us, incredible prophetic minister with great insight. Mark Stevens will be leading worship, there'll be other guest speakers and myself, and we'll have 24 hours from a lunchtime on a Tuesday to lunchtime on Wednesday to grow as leaders. We want to build incredible spirit-filled churches that are growing and changing and transforming their communities. Communities. If that excited interests you, come along to be with us. Bring your team and let's grow as leaders. Go to revivechurch.co.uk to find out more and to book in. Proverbs 11:24 says this, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Um, somebody said the other day, and I, and I agreed with them, uh, you know, your kids don't come with an operating manual, do they? You know what I mean? You have a look at them, yeah, what, what do you do, you know? And then I was meditating on this uh, uh, overnight, and then I thought, hang on a minute, yes they do. It's called the Bible. The Bible is the operating manual of how humanity and God works. It, it gives us how to interact with God and how to interact with the world, how to conduct relationships in a healthy way, how to build a marriage, how to parent a child. Um, and it digs into, how do I work with my finances? There's, there's around 500 verses in the Bible on prayer. There's about 500 on faith. There are more than 2,000 about money and possessions. In other words, the, the whole area of money and finances is deeply spiritual. And in fact, the very reason we get uncomfortable around it is because, I'm going to be blunt, the enemy doesn't want us to talk about finances. There's stuff that kicks off in all of us when somebody starts to fiddle with the finance bit. Have you noticed the, the strong reaction you get is because um, we're all capable of hearing the devil's voice just as much as God's. And so there's a bit in us that goes, no, don't go there, la, 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 la. And I've actually chosen the, the name of this theme, the extravagant lovers of God, because extravagant says no boundaries. That's what extravagant means, no restraint. But there are areas in our life where we put restraint. God, you can bless this and this and this and this, but I'm putting a restraint around this, and I don't like it if the preacher talks about it, or I'll avoid it when the Bible talks about it. But if we're going to be extravagant lovers of God, we need to remove the boundaries. And it's all down to this. Do we think God is good or not? Yeah. And actually, many of our boundaries and restraints and the avoidance of certain subjects is because there's a lot of fear around, I don't want that to be touched. Thank you very much. It gives me fear. It can be a great area of anxiety. Who knows that money can be a great area of sorrow? Yeah. Sorrow and even suicide. But the Bible tells us how to handle money. We've got a God's worldview. And so I'm going to bring to you God's worldview of money and how we were born to use it. But I want you to understand this is deeply spiritual and only for our good. Now, why am I talking about it now? I'll be blunt about it. We are going into huge things as a church and we need to be walking in the favor of God and in having resilience in our finances. If we're all bound up in debt then we're not going to be able to get anything done as a family, whether that's corporately as a church or wouldn't you love to be in the place where, yeah, I bought a few people, a few cars in my lifetime. 
I gave a few cars away. I wrote some really big checks. I helped build this. I helped set up this single mum in. in life. I helped clear that person's debt. Forget the organisation of church for a minute. We want to be resilient in life. Actually, we're supposed to be a group of people on the earth that lend and do not borrow. That's what the Bible promises. And so I go, well, how? With a big question mark at the end. How can I get into this place where I lend and do not borrow? I'm the head and not the tail, where I don't have fear around the area of finances. I want to be extravagant. Extravagant people are big-hearted people. So if we get all shriveled when we come to the area of money, well, do what I do. I'm going to invest into that area even more because I think I can see some dark rooms in dark basements around the area of money. So let's shine the blazing light of God's goodness and God's way. Moses said, show me your ways that I might find favor. We're all born to stand in the grace of God, but there are ways to access it. They're called sacraments. It's a, it's a, 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 a divine, simple mechanism by which you receive God's grace into your life if you apply faith to it. You, can't, you, you don't want to tithe or give out of fear, but when you, when you give and you connect with God in your finances with a sense of faith that's saying this, God is good, then something divine can happen. And so I start from this point that we were born to be generous. You weren't born to be Yorkshire stingy. Come on, tell the person next to you, get that Yorkshire spirit out of you. Listen, you might have been born in Yorkshire, but you were made in heaven. I'll say it again. Born in Yorkshire, made in heaven. Even this Welshman, he might have been born in Wales, but God help me, I need to be made in heaven. Amen. Or the valleys, it doesn't matter what accent you got, carry divine kingdom culture. And you were born to be generous. Now, so the question is, so have I become that yet? It's another area of my development to become Christ-like. I want to get to that place where that area of my life is not a dark room in the basement where I won't let God go. I must find out. Because why? I want my world to get bigger and bigger and larger and larger. Are you with me? The Bible talks 485 times about bringing God offerings. Which is really where I'm going to land this morning. That every one of us... Our homes need to be building an altar to God. Altars are powerful things. And through the pages of your Bible, you'll find that men and women of God, again and again, consciously built an altar. And let me put it this way, put their property on top of it and burned it before God. And God responded to them. Now, if you walk in off the street right now with no biblical knowledge, you're going to go, what on earth are you on about? Well, welcome to God's university and God's worldview for a minute. Just work with me, okay? Nobody's going to manipulate you to get money out of you today. We're not taking PIN numbers or credit card numbers as you leave the building. This is about you being blessed. In fact, this is what it's about. I don't know if you can see this. Have you ever seen this before? So there's us like the little girl with her little teddy. But you see, what God does, he's saying, trust me and do it my way. Because here's the thing, if you live in fear, you don't get that there's blessing behind what God is doing. 
We just presume, I don't want to lose what I've got. When God is saying, I want to show you how to open up the floodgates and the blessing of heaven. You might stand in grace, but to receive favor that actually works in your reality, that changes your bank balance, that heals your body, that helps you to have good relationships. We've got to learn God's way. And when we do God's stuff God's way, he's going, just trust me. I want to show you how to activate something that's not just carnal or filled with fear, but that is blessing. Here's the thing. God has protocol. Now, listen, if you think, because this is where we can get with grace-filled Christianity sometimes. Essentially, I want to be a slob on the sofa with a remote control going, oh, I'm saved by grace. He loves me. Jared said he likes me. I don't need to do anything. I have a divine remote control and I've got a button that says money and I just download. And it says peace and I just download. And it says health and I just download. And I've got this divine remote control and I just like here, I lie here like a slob going, feed me Jesus, because you love me. That's not it, is it? That's not what favor is. Favor is as well, it's knowing God's ways to release his world into yours. You have every right to favor because he doesn't have favorites. He saved you. Nothing you can do can make him love you more. Nothing you can do can make you be more forgiven other than to confess it to God and say, God, clear it up. That's it. Yes, you are forgiven. You are loved. But he hasn't put a remote control in your hand saying, just press the button and there'll be a download, a divine ATM. I'll just give you whatever you want, whenever you want. No, he talks about ways that we release the goodness of God into our life. This protocol. Anybody ever seen that video, David Cameron coming out of some meeting and this jogger jogs by and didn't, didn't realize what's going on and accidentally runs into David Cameron. You see, it was on the news about a year ago. Well, this guy gets within six inches of David Cameron and he's leapt upon by all of these burly guys who drag him off to one side because you're not supposed to run up to the prime minister. There's protocol. Understand, Jesus loves you. The Bible says he's your friend, your father, but he's also our Lord and our master. He's not buddy. There is no entitlement spirit. I do whatever I want and he's good to me. No, that doesn't exist. There's protocol. He's a king. And we approach him with protocol. But when we use the protocol, he says, come on in, come on, get, get close to me. But he's a king. I've been reading some areas of books like Judges lately. And in fact, I read all of Judges last week. And I just realized, whoa, there's so much capacity to get it wrong. God's not a sugar daddy and he's not buddy. He's the king. And again and again, you find that people that did not follow God's ways did not know God's blessing. So I want to share with you the ways of God. Is that all right? But it's in this context. He loves you. He wants to, us to not be a Christian in our singing and in our hope for forgiveness, but a pagan in our finances. Why? Because finances is huge. If you drag that area of your life into the light of God's kingdom, he's made you a steward over it. If you drag yourself into the light of the kingdom, you're going to go, wow, I'm so glad I did that. 
I'm blessed to be a blessing. I mean, it, nobody's got any right to come and take money off you, nothing like that, but you've discovered how to be blessed to be a blessing. Amen? That's what it's about. So God wants to get us into that place of blessing. And there's protocol, and we need to learn how to do that. We stand in grace, but then the Bible talks about adding to grace and multiplying the grace on our lives and growing in grace. And so we've got to learn the principles of growing in grace. So let's see if we can do this a little bit. Here's, here's the first thing I'm going to share with you, um, if that works. Here's the first, first thought. We're going to have some great thoughts. Everybody say great thought. You can say that. You can say that as many times as you want this morning, okay? Because it's a teaching morning. I'm going to teach the Bible. Is that okay? We're going to stick with the Bible. It's pretty good, right? Money sits in the Bible as a test. It sits there and has from the very beginning of time, I'll show you in a bit, to test the health of our hearts and show us where we're at with God. It's impossible to be extravagant and backslidden at the same time. Because we need healthy hearts to, to walk with God. Now, I, I, I know what these say, so I'll, I'll be able to read them even though some are a little bit um, hidden. Here's, here's, here's an important principle, great thought. The principle of, of first fruits. Everybody say first fruits. Now, there's a principle that goes through the Bible that essentially says, in order to keep your heart clean, I'm going to make you give me back the first thing I give you. But that's going to bless everything that you've got left. And it's from the beginning to the end of the Bible, okay? And this is, this is what was said in Exodus 13 too. It says, Consecrate to me the firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether it's human or animal. You, you give me the first, okay? Give me the first thing. Now, what, what, you, what you would do if it was a, if, if obviously you didn't sacrifice a son, but you sacrificed something on behalf of the son, and the sacrifice made the son holy, right? You work about, I'm doing real, this isn't Bible school, but we're going to do real potted stuff, all right? Um, uh, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, let's read the next one, Exodus 23, 19. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. That's the equivalent of your wage. You know, it, it was their income because they were a farming community generally. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Look at what Proverbs said. This is the one that you've turned to if you've got a Bible. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Uh, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Can you remember the picture of the little girl with the little teddy and the big teddy? Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. There's a principle here that the first fruits is God's. It belongs to God. There's part of what you have that belongs to God. In fact, the Bible goes as strong as saying, if you keep it, he'll call you a thief. Everybody go, ouch, then say, great thought. <laughs> right? Um, we're not supposed to touch what's his. Tithing isn't giving, it's giving back. If I lent James my car, then he came back to me because he needed a car, then after a week came back and said, I'm going to do this amazing thing, Jared, I'm going to give you your car back. I, I would go, yeah, too right you would, you know, it's mine. <laughs> and it's nice to have it back in one piece, but I'm not particularly congratulating him to give it me because it's mine. When we give the tithe, God isn't going, oh, wow, who'd have ever thought that you might, you know, wow, that's amazing. No, we're just, this is God's worldview. We're giving back what already belongs to him. Now, why? Because it does something in us. It says something about our heart. See, we can say I trust you, but it shows I trust you. 
We can say, you're good, you're good, you're good. But this says and shows to ourselves, yeah, I'm proving that I believe God is good. Because I believe when I give the first fruits back, he blesses the rest. Okay, that's what happened. Um, the other thing, it, if you offer and give back God's, the, the first fruit, it says everything that you have remaining, so the nine-tenths left, becomes blessed. It, a great little thought, Jesus was the first fruit. He was the firstborn given for you. When? Right at the beginning, before the foundation of the world. Why? So that you could be holy. Because he was sacrificed, you are holy. God was the first person to pay a first fruit. Everybody say, wow, great thought, right? So here's the thing. God always leaves something in our lives that's his to see what you do with it. Work with me, Adam and Eve in the garden. Eat anything except that one. Why? He leaves it there to show us and to show him where our hearts are at. That's why it's a test. It kind of shows us where we're at with trusting God and in our growth with him. So he said, there's one tree. You sit there going, why would he do that? The principle of first fruits. You can have anything, everything. I love you. Everything I have is yours. Don't touch that one. Now, isn't it funny how with human nature, we obsess over the one we can't touch. That is the very root of sin. That's why the love of money is the root of all evil. Because it sits right in there going, I just want to disobey that one thing. He's given me all the things I could do. God never said you can't go to the cinema, you can't wear makeup. He, he never said these things that we used to believe he said in the 70s. He did just say, don't touch that one thing. That's mine, because that shows you exactly where you're at in your walk with God. So if you sit there going, ah, no, I don't believe all that stuff is not real. It's just revealing the maturity or the immaturity of our heart as we put up these restraints and go, just don't touch that thing, because that's mine. And out of this godly singing, hand-raising Christians comes Gollum, my precious. Come on, you've been there. Money is the one thing that I can go, good heavens, where has that come from? What are they doing? And we hear it with our friends. Oh, they said they weren't very well off and then they went and did that. Can you believe it? <laughs> or you hear that someone doing your job is getting paid more than you. There's demons around money. Yeah. And if it has your heart, it has you. Okay, so that's why he just leaves it there to show us our own health. Don't touch that. The tithe is God's, and we're not to touch it. Israel goes into the promised land, and they're heading into the promised land, and the first place they're going to take is, anybody know? Jericho. What did God say about Jericho, the first city? Don't touch anything. That one is mine. It's the first root. This is how God looks at finances. I'll use it to make sure you're holy. Don't you touch it. Now, we know there's a little story around that. We won't go into it because it's irrelevant because they did touch it, basically, but, and they got in a lot of trouble. There you see what happened. They robbed God. He said, no, no, that one was mine. You're just supposed to burn it. And we go, but, but, but that's waste. Worship is always a waste. To, a, to someone who doesn't get it, it's a waste of time, a waste of energy, a waste of singing, a waste of money. 
Worship is a waste that says, God, you are so abundant. We can waste things in your presence because we know you own the cattle on a thousand hills. You could use up all of God and never run out of God. That's how great he is. It is saying, I believe in God when you can just put things before him with extravagance and no boundaries and say, I worship you. You know your heart is healthy when you can do that. The next city they came to was called Ai. God said, you can have it all. You see, until you can give him everything of the first, you will not hear him say you can have all of the rest. Great thought. Until you can give him all of the first, you will never hear him say you can have all of the rest. Great thought. That's the power. It's a biblical principle of first fruits. Cain and Abel, we've done this story a bit. Well, let me just mention the Sabbath too. See if that goes to the next bit. Um, imagine the Sabbath. Would you just click it to the next one for me, guys? It's not moving. That's it. The Sabbath, God made man. And then the first thing man saw was God resting. We know that, right? So the principle of our life is the first thing we do is rest. Listen, he says, give me that day, it's holy. If you work seven days a week, well, if we went back to Old Testament times, you could be stoned for doing so. That's how grievous God thinks it is. Because he says, if you can't rest, you're idolatrous. You think it's all by the sweat of your brow that you are going to make it through. I'm a self-made man. No, no, no. A godly man says, I'm a God-made man. And so I can lay it down and just use the waste of worship. The Sabbath is the first fruit of your week. Do you know what I'm going to do with the first thing I've got? Just give it to Jesus. I'm going to church. I'm just going to, I'm going to worship him. I'm going to waste time in his presence because I know the rest will be blessed if I give him the first. Amen? Oh, great thought. Everybody say it. The story of Cain and Abel, it comes really early in the Bible and it's a story about offering. And it says this, in the course of time, Cain, so Adam and Eve's sons, Cain and Abel, didn't go well, you know where this is going. The course of time, Cain brought some of the first Uh, from some of the fruits, sorry, of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering. Listen to this, it sounds different. Fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Work with me for a minute. You're a farmer, you you got sheep, you're a shepherd. That's what they're called, isn't it? You're a a shepherd and you, you see your first lamb born. You haven't got any other lambs yet. You don't know how the rest is gonna go. This is what worship does. Right, that first one, that's God's. Take it away. But you haven't got anything left yet. You don't know what's coming. You're going to have a good year, a bad year. How many will survive? How many will make it? I don't care. The first thing out of the womb, that's God's. That's the power of first fruits. Now, Hebrews tells us God spoke well of Abel's offering. God, I like it. Now, Cain gave something. In other words, he came to church. He sang the songs. I'm going to really get tight on this now. You're ready to feel uncomfortable. He put a bit in the offering but he didn't follow protocol. And God said, not good enough. Yeah, but I come, Lord, and you love me, right? And you forgive me when I confess my sins? Yes, I do, but you won't get any favor. Unless you do it properly. And that's exactly what it goes on to say. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was angry like most Christians would be. I can't believe it, I gave something. And his face was downcast, he was sulky. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face so downcast? This is an amazing verse. We've done it recently. If you do what is right, 
Will you not be accepted? The word literally means raised up. Will you not be lifted? Having, if you do what is right, but if you do not do what is right, sin, listen to this, is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must take dominion over it. You must rule over it. It's saying this, listen, when you're sat there going, oh, I just want to give what I want to give, or I don't want to give, I just do whatever, I just, just don't touch the area of finances. The Bible says this, so the devil's crouching at your door, whispering in your ear, don't do it, they're manipulating you. You just go read the Bible for yourself. Don't go there, but you haven't got enough. Listen, can I be honest with you? Even when I've not got enough, I don't touch the tithe myself. I'd rather not have food on the table for a day than touch the tithe. And we know stories of great men and women of God who wouldn't touch the tithe and they sit at the table with empty plates and then suddenly the door knocks and somebody walks in with food. See, that's, you enter the realm of the miraculous. You, you go to a mountain like Abraham when you're willing to sacrifice your favorite thing, the, the thing you were promised, and God says, right, I'm gonna test you. He wasn't gonna make him sacrifice his somebody, he was testing him, Abraham thought he was, and he goes up that mountain in Genesis, and he puts the, his son on the altar, and then suddenly, in that absolute test, God was using his greatest property to test his heart, his son. And suddenly, as he lifted the knife, man, what a heart. I don't know if I could do it, anybody? Well, I couldn't, I'll tell you that now. As you lift the knife, suddenly God said, he provides and there's a ram in the thicket. And listen, Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. In other words, where you fulfill the test, God provides. When you bring what he says, all of heaven's opened above you and suddenly the blessing of God pours into your life. Amen? That, that's what this does. Oh, where have we got to? Yeah, we've done that. All right. Um, Cain and Abel. Uh, yeah, I can just imagine it's sin. It literally means sin stretched out like it's on a sofa. We're back to the remote control. Don't do it. He loves you. You don't need all this protocol stuff. You don't need to do what the Bible says. In fact... The best thing I'll do is keep you biblically illiterate so you don't even know what it says. That's the great danger. I hear so many arguments about all sorts of people coming to me and I'm like, have you read the Bible? I mean, cover to cover. You're talking about a God I don't even recognize. Oh dear. Anyway, read it. Right. Um, so money is a test and the first fruits is, is a powerful thing. You're right with this this morning. We're doing really well. At least you're, I'm getting, I'm getting amens. I can't believe it. I'm talking about money. Am I in Yorkshire anymore? What's happened? It must be a little bit of heaven on earth. Um, <laughs> how do I build my altar? Well, there's lots of ways, isn't there? So let's just remember how weird all of this is because it's God's worldview. Essentially, God says, sing to me. Now, listen, come on, we're, we're Brits, we're Europeans, whatever nation you're from. We're, we're sophisticated, civilised people. Our prime ministers don't generally sing, and if they do, we kind of think, what a corny thing, you know. They're not as cool as Obama, you know. We can't do a mic drop in this country, we just haven't got the cool, have we? But God looks at us, and he says things, and just realise how crazy it all is, and some of us fight this, because we don't get it. So how are you going to build? They used to take... Stones and they, they, they had to be raw and uncut. They couldn't be shaped by human hands. And they were, they, were, they were placed into a pile. 
And now imagine, you've, you've got to pick up a stone of sung worship and give it to God. Now you might go, well, that's weird, but sung worship will bless your life. Singing, raising hands. Think of, think of David bringing the ark into Jerusalem and he's dancing himself down to his underpants, as Dwayne White put it. He da- and Michael, the barren woman who did not know the grace of God from that day forward. She said, how undignified. And David said, I'll be even more undignified than this. In other words, he got it. I've been to the university of God. I know the protocol. I know what he wants. All he asks of me is that I give him sung worship. And again, it's not to do him good. It's to do me good. And so I dance and I sing and I get excited when I don't feel excited. And I thank him when I don't feel thankful because it does something to me. It opens the floodgates of blessing in my life. I bring him sung worship. The New Testament calls it the sacrifice of lips. Through all of the Bible, you get this phrase. They built an altar and it it would say, and they called on the name of the Lord. Do you call on the name of the Lord? I'm giving you protocol. Do you go about your day? You don't, you, if you're wondering, what do I pray? It's really simple. You just walk around your bedroom or on the way to school or whatever it is going, Jesus, Jesus, oh Jesus. Why? Because heaven's listening to see who is gonna seek me, who's gonna run after me. And he just put his name on your lips, Jesus. Doesn't have to be sophisticated, just Literally think of that phrase, it's how God works. Call on the name of the Lord. Rattle heaven with your, with your mouth. We pray. That's, that's why we get up and give him the first fruits of our day. Give me today my daily bread. We pray, it's a sacrifice. But some don't get it, that it's gonna bless the rest of your day when you give him the first fruits. And I'm not telling you how long to give him, but give him your first fruits. Let the first thought in your mind be a God thought. Put the name of Jesus on your lips. Say, God, I love you. Do you know you're here today because of a praying Gentile? When Peter came to Cornelius, in fact, when God spoke to Cornelius before Peter turned up, God said, your prayers have come up before me like an incense. He was a Gentile. Every time he prayed, he was was putting a smell in God's nostrils. Oh God, would you? And it doesn't, doesn't have to, it's great to be in your room on your own, but what about just through the day, I'm putting a smell in God's nostril. Why? I'm opening the gates of heaven over my life. Little prayers. It said also of Cornelius that your gifts to the poor or your care for the poor come up before me. So here we get to finances. Oh, I would have loved to have been the gateway of the Gentiles becoming saved. I mean, what a guy etched in history. Cornelius, and what did he do? He gave things to the poor and he prayed. And God says, because, you understand the word because, it's there really, it's twice. It says, because of what you've done, the Gentiles will begin to hear the gospel. Wow, and he, he began, I'm sure God would have used another pathway, he'll find a praying person, but he became the pathway. Why? He prayed to God and he gave gifts to the poor, tithes and offerings. Philippians 4.18 says that they're a fragrant offering pleasing to God. So work with me a minute. We sing, there's one stone, right? We, we pray, gifts to the poor, um, we, we put the name of God on our lips and we, we build altars. But listen, look at the pinnacle of the altar. You're watching me. The, pinna- the, the thing you put on top. And I didn't design this, God did. So don't be frustrated with me. The thing you put on the top, 
that is the greatest indicator of where you're at is your property. Great thought. They, they put their animals, they put their, the stuff that they've been rearing and spending money on and feeding and trying to keep and getting them through safely and healthily. It's really hard. Can you imagine one of, the, one of the great altar moments in the Bible is when Noah comes out of the ark and he builds an altar and it says, and he takes some of the clean animals and he burned them. Now, see, this is a challenge moment because what's just happened, animals have been wiped out across the face of the earth. It's one moment when you go, now, listen, it's all, this Christian stuff is great, Jared, but now it's time to be sensible. We don't have many animals, and you're about to just burn a few for God. Get real. Shows his heart. He got it. He got it. He put his property that he didn't have much of, and the whole earth was depending on what he had in that boat. He put it on the altar. Burn it. We want God to smell worship from the earth. Burn it. We want him to smell that we trust him. We want, we, want to, we want him to smell that he is our provider, not the animals around us. He is our provider. The Lord will provide. Burn it. Maybe there was someone in his family nagging him. Come on, are you crazy? They're clean animals. They're ones that we can eat. What are you doing? Burning it. Burn it. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Burn it. It shows what we've got in our hearts. And he says, the thing you put on the top, it's the last thing you'll get. You'll get the singing and the prayer bit in place before, almost certainly. Then come, will come the last test. Put your property on top. And in fact, I'm only asking for 10% back. And then the offerings are up to you as revelation of your own heart. How extravagant do you want to be? And do it cheerfully and do it with faith, he says. Right. What will my altar do? I'm, I'm, I'm landing in a minute. You're right with this. Yes. Good thoughts. Wow. Um, so through the pages of the Bible, let me do a negative altar for a minute, just because this is a weird story. In in um, in two kings, round about chapter three, we've got this story of of Moab, the king of Israel, and the and uh, the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat coming against Edom, who were being a rebellious enemy group now, you could say. And they follow God, and there's this great war raging. And this is incredible scripture, and if you get it, you go, wow, that's weird. Because it says the battle was raging against the enemy, and Israel were winning, and Judah were winning, and um, Moab were winning. And then it says, the enemy king took his son and sacrificed him on the wall. And Israel had to stop. In other words, sacrifice does something in heaven. Even the children of God stopped on the moment he went that far. Stop. They went back. Sacrifice does something in the heavenlies. Elijah, work with me on the story. He builds an altar, does he not? One Kings, and we 19. Come on, James. Yeah, yeah, it's 19, right? He builds an altar. He puts water on it, does everything. To, but it's a great moment of confrontation. Then he calls down fire. When you build an altar, fire comes. When you put your property on it, you're saying, God, I want your fire to come on my life. I want your blessing. I want your passion. Noah built an altar. And as God smelled it, the Bible says, I'm not doing that again when it comes to the flood. 
at the smell of what Noah did, God said, I'm not doing that again. I'm not flooding the earth. Wow. You can make God say stuff. I don't mean like a lever, but you can move his heart. Like somebody said, Darren said brilliantly last week, we don't give to get, but we do give to bring. Something comes into our world. Abraham, we've already done it. He put his son on the, on the altar and God said, because you've not withheld from me, then God bless. And you're here today because of Abraham's sacrifice. David, there's punishment going on in Israel because he counted the, the, the fighting forces, which on this occasion happened to show that he was looking at the hand of flesh. How strong am I? And so God didn't like that. And Israel were being struck down. And David comes and he buys the threshing floor of Aronai the Jebusite. And Aronai says, you can have it for free. And God says, no, uh, Jesus, uh, whoever, pick a name. David said... <laughs> David says, I will not give God something that costs me nothing. Cost is important to your heart. And who knows, it's easy to get lazy, hurt, or reticent along the way. Someone agrees. Mouth of babes. Um, and David sacrificed to God on the threshing floor there. And the, the, the punishment ended. How's about changing your season through sacrifice? It's not a lever. We don't pull or break God's armor. But we bring God the protocol he has set. He said, what about Solomon dedicating the temple? And he sacrificed a property everywhere. And then the glory of God came to the temple. What about Malachi? Oh, you're going to love me for this. We're really going for it. Click it to the next one. It's not working if you would. Thank you. Is it Malachi? Are you stuck? There you go. I'll just read it because you're going to love it. I, the Lord, do not change. That's an important piece, isn't it? In this context, you know. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and not kept them. Remember the line, if only you would do what's demanded of you, would you not be favored? Return to me and I will return to you. I love that, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will, a, will a, a, a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, God says. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In other words, I don't get it. There might be people here, they go, I don't get what you're talking about. Just, just read it there in the Bible. How are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. In other words, he leaves finances not only as a test for him, for us, but he says, you can test me in this. Test me, says the Lord, and see if I will not, and here's the bit that you want to go great for, right? See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit because... It's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land. All that is saying is, is if you give right, you'll be right blessed. That was Yorkshire. If you give right, you'll be right blessed. <laughs> then the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus died in the very range of mountains where Abraham put Isaac on an altar. And in that place, the ultimate sacrifice was made. And days later, the glory of God fell out of the skies to help us live. When you build an altar, heaven 
brings blessing. He only wants to bless you. Amen. And cause you to grow in him. Am I on my last page? Oh, I am. How cool is that? I thought I had 20 minutes to go. I was gonna... So look, just um, I've been reading bits of the Bible that scare me this week. And I, I like being cozy with God. Anyone else? Yeah. Heather, would you come and make us feel more spiritual than we really are, please? Thank you. Appreciate it. If you've got a tune that will make money scriptures go down well, that will be Abba, Boney M, I don't know. You never know what, what you got. So I was, reading, I was reading books like Judges and Deuteronomy and Leviticus this week. And I, I love cozying up to God. I love being a child on his knee. I love, I love being with my father. And he allows us to call him Abba, Father. But I was reading the Bible this week and I, I did say a few times to God, you're quite scary, really. If you don't have a God who every now and then you go, you really are quite scary. And it puts a little something in your heart to go, this, this, this isn't the game. You will not be blessed if you're biblically illiterate. You need to know what it says of how to live because you will be awash. Never has the world shouted so loudly how it wants to live. And so it's, it's stranger and stranger to preach the Bible, if I'm honest with you. But we have a God who it isn't just a case of, well, it's, you know, people sit on panel shows and question time and all sorts. And they go, well, it's supposed to be love. If God is God, then he's just love and it's all English no the Bible says it's grace and truth I'll teach you how to live but remember the reason because I love you remember why I emptied myself of majesty and I came down there and sorted out the sin problem myself because I love you and I want us to be connected and he doesn't want any of us in the sorrow of poor finances it's not a materialism or a greed message is I've made you to be a conduit of blessing. If I can get finances through you, I'll get it to you. And it tests our heart. And I was reading, and I'm not going to read the scary end, cause, mainly because it's too long, and I want you to leave here feeling upbeat and encouraged. But Deuteronomy 28 talks about blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. In other words, if you do what is right, this is what will happen. But you need to understand, and if you've really got the stomach for it, go to the second half of Deuteronomy 28 this, this week and read it. And I guarantee you, again and again, you're going to go, oh, God, you're a bit scary. <laughs> but do it with a glint in your eye because you know he loves you. Because he, he has no other capacity. He is love. He is just. He is fair. So we start with his word and build a life from that. We don't build a life and hope to fit his word into it. We start with the, with the creator's instructors, instructions, if I can say it straight. But listen what happens if you get it right. This is what happens to the Abels of this world, not the Cain's. He says, close your eyes. It won't come up on the board. Close your eyes and just listen. If you fully obey the Lord, your God, and carefully follow all his commands. Then the Lord will set you high above all the nations on the earth. And all these blessings will come upon you and accompany you. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. 
the fruit of your womb will be blessed and your crops and your livestock and your income will be blessed and your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you go out and blessed when you come in. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but they will flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. He will bless your bank account and He will bless your work. The Lord your God will bless you in the land He's giving you. The Lord will establish you as His holy people if you walk in obedience to Him. Then all the people around you in the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, in the young of your livestock and the crops of your ground. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of His bounty and send rain in your land in season to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations but borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Everybody say great thought, great thought. Let's stand quietly in the presence of God and just pray for a few moments. Oh boy, guys, you took a tough one today. Well done. This is the word of God. Let's just pray. We're closing because we're running out of time. So let's just pray and close. Lord, we remind ourselves your heart is to bless us. I pray especially for any to whom this area is an area of fear. Where we want to stick our fingers in our ears and go la 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 la. Then hopefully tear it apart over the lunch table afterwards. God, I pray that we will be bold. And that our lives would show that we trust you to be a good father. I pray that we would, that there may be some here this morning challenged to dig deep into the pages of the Bible and see how God made life to work. Father, that blessing would flow over our family. I pray especially for any here going through the sorrow and the pain of debt, struggle. Sometimes, Lord, it's through no fault of our own at all. Sometimes we just realize that we've made dumb decisions and we've all made those. God, I pray that your grace would show us ways to get out of debt, to get out of just eking through. I pray that this church will be known to be a place of blessing, that we will be such a river of blessing to the city of Hull. I pray that we will be able to cancel debts, give away cars, do up houses, establish people in your kingdom, Father God, because of the finances that flow through us. We have seen today that the finances of heaven flowing through our lives is the way you made us to live. And Lord God, would you help us to grow in that? I just pray against all um, defensive poor theology. Don't be defensive over this mission. I understand there's all sorts of acrobats we can have, acrobatics we can have over a thing like this. I challenge you in God's name, read what the Bible says and grow in it. Don't do what I say, do what the Bible says. Grow and be blessed as the Bible designed you to be blessed. I pray that we would be the head and not the tail. There's one 
altar building thing we can do right now at the end of today. We can call on the name of the Lord. We can shout his name. We can sing his name. And we can say, I trust you, Jesus. For some, that will be just as much a sacrifice as putting something in the offering. As we close this morning, let's raise a shout to God that says, God, okay, I trust you. And I'm going to build my life around your principles. Can we do that? One big, short shout out to God. Ready, steady, go. I trust you, Lord. I trust you with my money. I trust you with my home. I trust you with my property. I trust you with my future, my hopes and my dreams. I trust you to bless my leisure. I trust you to bless my walk. Heavenly Father, let the principles of heaven flow through. Jesus, we call on your name this morning and we raise an altar in the city of Hull and we say, Jesus, 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 we trust you. We trust you in Jesus' name. Give God a great hand. Lord, we bless you. 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 Now, now listen, I know if, if, you're, if you've not been around this kind of stuff, especially if it's your first time to church, oh dear. Okay. We've been in God's university this morning. Remain a student. For your own blessing's sake, don't just be deflective and defensive. Live by the handbook. Because listen, you can just stop at getting a bit of peace and forgiveness and a ticket to heaven. You can try that. I don't quite know where the line is drawn as to who gets in and who doesn't, right? And all that kind of stuff. If we give our hearts to God, if we love him with all our mind, soul and strength, Something can happen in our hearts that makes us greater than we are today. Don't let fear stop you. Remove the barriers and become extravagant. And you will not meet a man or woman of God here experienced in this stuff that won't tell you, oh yeah, there was a day when as as a man or a woman or as a family, we had to remove the barriers and begin to trust. But it will bring you into blessing. Welcome to God's university. You're wonderful. Bless you. Thank you.